that would be great. Well, good morning to you. Good to see you. Small crowd today. We could like, you know, just have coffee and donuts while we're talking here, huh? Sound good? So glad that you are here. Thank you for taking time out of your day and to be with us this morning and just thank God for you and uh, thank God for what he's doing in our midst and uh, this thing kind of has a mind of its own sometimes, so I try to keep it from falling while I'm speaking. Let's pray. Let's get right into the Word of God. I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about what the Lord has put on my heart, and I uh, hope you are too. Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you for your great grace and your mercy. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, again for your Word, that Jesus, you, you are the living Word, that when we read Scripture, it's all about you. You're the great hero of every story. Lord, we pray that you would be lifted up. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and illuminate the word of God to us. That we would be transformed, that we would be more than just hearers of the word, we would be doers of the word. That we would not be the same when we leave here because of your spirit. So come, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Today we'll be uh, finishing up the, the REACH series that I've been doing here, and uh, so I'm just very excited about the fall. The Lord has been speaking in my heart about some things coming up in the fall. Um, you'll be more about that later, so I'm very excited about that, and uh, so today I'm finishing up this, uh, the REACH series. If you haven't been with us, I'm just going to give you a little recap. Uh, first thing we talked about was having unlimited REACH in Christ, that uh, with Christ we can do all things. Um, we talked in Ephesians 3.20 where it says that um, we, can, we can accomplish through Him infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. That through Christ that we can accomplish more than we could even ask or imagine. But most importantly is to bring Him glory. Because it says to Him be glory over all things. And so we talked a little bit about having unlimited reach. Um, we talked about being empowered to reach. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be His witnesses on the earth. Jesus said you will receive power to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Then we talked about what it means to be commissioned. When we talk about the great commission from Matthew 28, and when Jesus says, go into all the world, what does it mean to be commissioned? It's a directive. It's an order that must be accomplished. And then we had the part two of that of, of ambassadors of Christ, a representative going on behalf of another, and that we are not ambassadors of behavior modifications. We are not uh, ambassadors of doctrine. We're not ambassadors of the church. We are ambassadors of Christ, and that's what Paul calls us. Spreading his word, his message, every, everywhere that we go. And so I want to uh, talk a little bit today, and the title of the message today is Reaching with Jesus. Because my heart is that reaching up to Him and reaching out to others would become a part of our spiritual DNA of this church, of us individually, corporately, that it would be a part of who we are, that we are a people known for reaching up to Him and reaching out to others. And I want to talk about what it means to reach with Jesus as His followers. 
You know, we've talked over the last few weeks, and, 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 and we need to understand that his desire for us is that we walk in adventure, on mission with him. And so that's where we're going today. More than just what we are called to do for him, you know, we, we, we have that mindset of being called of God to do something for him. We are first called to do stuff with him. And that's the difference between for and with. We are called to walk with him. We are called to be with him. And we're called to do stuff with him and not just for him. So reaching with Jesus. I'm excited about this message because I'm going to be painting a picture today that's going to be convicting. It was convicting to me and I hope it convicts you as well. But he wants us to be on mission with him. He doesn't just empower us or commission us to do it on our own. Again, 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says God has called us into partnership with the Son. You know what being a partner means? It's come alongside, working together. And so when we have been talking about you know, being commissioned by Christ, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we are not called to just do this thing on our own, but to reach with Him, being in partnership with the Son of God. That is exciting to me. Jesus modeled this when, when, he was with the, when he was on the earth with his Father, when he said, I do what I see the Father do. I speak what I hear the Father speak. He was in partnership with the Father as he walked up on the earth. Divine partnership. I do what I see the Father doing. I speak what the Father is speaking. Out of the relationship with the Father, he did ministry. Not on his own, but with the Father. Everything flowed out of his intimacy and communion with the Father. You know, that is why he walked in great peace and he was not works driven. As he just simply walked with the Father, he did what was on the heart of the Father. Jesus even said, I and the Father are one. And I love the passage where we learn about, you know, the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of us can just quote that. There's a lot of stuff in the Lord's Prayer, and, it's, and, and, and it can be unlocked, and that's for a, a different message for a different time. But interestingly enough, the disciples asked Jesus you know, about prayer. They said, they said, teacher, teach us to pray. And you notice that they did not ask him, saying, Jesus, teach us how to teach. Teach us how to preach like you do. Teach us how to heal like you do. They said, teach us how to pray, because the disciples saw something that he had with the Father. Is that everything that he does comes out of his relationship with the Father. That he has this figured out first before he does this. And that's why the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us what you have with the Father. Teach us that intimacy, that communion that you have. Because everything flows out of that. Then when we have this figured out and we have communion with the Father, then our lives become a message. Then we, can, we, we, we gather from him how to do ministry with him. But in this idea of partnership with Jesus, life with him is an adventure. If you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, it is an adventure and it is a mission. Listen to his words concerning our work with him. And I want you to get that mindset, the, the, the phrase of with him instead of for him. John 9, 4. As long as it is still day... We must do the work of the, the one who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Did you hear that? As long as it's still day, we must do the work of the one who sent me. 
And so Jesus is inviting us into partnership with him that we do the work of the one who sent. We do the work of the Father with him. I love that, that, that we don't miss that because he's, he's including you and I in that phrase, we must do the work. So how do we do it? As last week, we look at his life and how he modeled it for us. Look at the Gospels. What was he driven by? What motivated Jesus? What was the main factor of his ministry and the works that he was given to do with the, by the Father? What was his driving force? What made him do what he did? A couple of key passages I want to look at. And these are from, you know, we've, we've been in this over the last couple of weeks, but 2 Corinthians 5, 14a. You can turn there or you can just listen along if you like. But Paul says this. I'm just gonna, it's one phrase. Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. What motivated Jesus to do the work of the Father? It was his love from the Father, his love through the Father, and his love to others. He was compelled by the love of the Father. That's why Paul takes this and he says, we must be as ambassadors of Christ, because this is in the same context where we're called ambassadors, we must be compelled by the love of Christ. What was Jesus' motivation to do in ministry? He was compelled by love. What must our motivation be in ministry? We must be compelled by love. And then in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm looking at the end of first verse into the second verse. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So there's just two key components as we talk about doing ministry with him, reaching with Jesus instead of doing things for him. Compelled by his love, don't forget this, compelled by his love and keeping our eyes fixed on him. Compelled by his love and keeping our eyes fixed on him. Just as Jesus said, I, I, I wait, I watch for what the Father is doing, then I do it. And so we must live a life that has our eyes fixed on Jesus, compelled by his love, saying, Jesus, what are you doing in my life today? So how do we do this? How do we do the ministry with him? To answer that, I want to paint a little picture, and I want to put it in our mind this morning, and that's where I'm kind of going. What do you think would happen if Jesus in the flesh walked into this church this morning, if he walked through those doors back there, I want you to kind of get this in your heart, in your mind. If he walked and, and those doors opened and Jesus in the flesh walked down this aisle, what do you think would happen? What would happen to our service? What would our response be? Have you ever thought about that? What would you do if Jesus just walked right in? How would we act? Would we go on as normal? I submit to you that we would not. We would be in absolute awe and honor and respect 
and worship like never before. It wouldn't matter what music was playing. We would really care less about all the exterior things. We would fix our gaze upon him. And we would not want to miss anything that he had for us. I guarantee you, I would go and sit down. I would not stay up here. But there would be, there would be a response of awe. I guarantee you that. Because when his presence is experienced, it changes everything. Look at people in the word of God that had encounters with the presence of God. Isaiah, when he was called of God as a prophet, and he has this encounter, and he says, you know, I see the Lord high and lifted up, and his, the train of his robe filled the temple. What was, what was Isaiah's response? It wasn't, man, God, you are so cool. No, he says, woe to me, I am undone. I, am, I mean, all of a sudden, he's just like, everything was revealed. I, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Woe, I, woe is me. I'm undone by this. Remember when Moses was invited by God to come up to the mountain and he would come off the mountain having these encounters with God and it says that his face was glowing because of the presence of God. Fast forward to the New Testament when Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul and he was persecuting Christians and he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. It changed his life completely. And he became probably the, one of the greatest Christians in history. What about the followers on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had uh, been risen from the dead? It says they didn't perceive who he was, and he talked with them. And then a little later, they get back to the, uh, you know, where the disciples were. And then, uh, and then it says that they knew then who he was. And it says, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked and walked with us? Something happened, man. We, 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 our, our eyes were clouded and we didn't perceive it, but man, our hearts burned within us when he spoke to us. What about the disciples when they had these encounters with the risen Savior? And they, the, the followers of Jesus, and they took his message and they, with great persecution, because the first, the first century church was under great persecution, what would make the disciples, the followers of Jesus, be willing to go to horrific deaths and be martyred for their faith? What would cause them to do such a thing? It's because they encountered the risen Savior. And they said, after having experienced him, I'm all in. I mean, you can read about the historical happenings of the disciples that were, were brutally killed for their faith. Peter, ups, uh, you know, crucified upside down. A couple of them were filleted with knives or boiled in oil. Friends, that is not a happy way to go. But what would make them say, I don't care, I will, I will, I will go to death for my Savior? What would cause them to do that? Because if it was just simply another religion or a nice way, you know, Christianity being a nice road to God and all roads lead to God, they would not have ever done that kind of stuff. But they had an, a, encountered and experienced the risen Christ. And it drove them to lay their lives down for passionate worship, giving all. It changed everything. It changed who they were. 
It wasn't out of religious obligation that they lived the lives that they lived. But it was out of intense love for Jesus. What would happen if Jesus walked in here? Let me take it a step further. What if Jesus spent a week with you individually? He shows up at your door, knocks on the door, and says, I'm going to spend one week, seven days I'm going to spend with you. In the flesh. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to go to your workplace. I'm going to go to your school. I'm going to sit next to you. When you go out to eat, I'm going to go there too. I'm going to hang out with you and I'm going to be with you for seven days. How would that affect your life? I, I pondered this a lot this week and I, I was just think, sitting there thinking about what I would do. And I tell you, our priorities would shift. What would we do differently? How would we live our lives? I'm going to submit to you a couple things here that I, I, I think the very first thing when he showed up, I think the first thing is that he would reveal to each of us his intense love for us. Because Jesus has always been about love. He came, he gave his life for love. He demonstrated his love for us, that he went to the cross for us. And I think that he would reveal to each of us how much he really loves us. I think he would reveal his desire for relationship. Because I think it, it, the, great, the great stories of the Word of God are all about a relationship with God. I think that he would reveal to us that everything that we do should flow out of his love for us, receiving his love. And, his, and, and our, his love for us and our love for him. Can you imagine him putting his hand on your shoulder and looking you in the eyes and go, I really, really do love you. You need to know that. I really do love you. It's more than just, yeah, God is love. God loves us. The Bible says, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. No, looking at you in the eyes with, his, with, with the fire in his eyes saying, I really, really do love you. And I think that that would be the first thing that he would want to speak into our hearts. Because Jesus said this, he said the greatest commandment, you know, when the, the disciples going, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said everything can be summed up into this, love God and love people. Reach up and reach out. Because you can't really reach out, you can't really love others until you understand the love that God has for you. That's why I think his first priority was to say, I really do love you, and to help us to get that revelation. But then out of his love for us and our love back for him, he would drive us to go love others. He would say, let, it, let, let what, what you do to others be out of the outflow of my love for you and your love for me. That's why in Revelation 2, you know, the church of Ephesus, Jesus he rebukes them and he says, you need to come back to your first love. You need to remember the former things. You need to remember why you signed up for this because, and here's what he says to Ephesus, you guys are doing a lot of good works. You got some things going on, but what, what has happened is you've forgotten love. 
You know, you, you, you accepted Christ and you guys were really excited and you were just madly in love with Jesus. And then at some point down the road, you got down here a little ways and it just, you, you forgot about love. And you were just doing things. You were kind of works driven. Isn't it interesting in Ephesians chapter 3 because this church evidently struggled with the idea of love. Revelation, you have him saying, come back to your first love. Paul's letter, and that's, you know, that's, that's the letter from Jesus through John is in, in Revelation. Paul's letter to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, he said, I want you to know with all the saints how high, how deep, and how wide the love of God is. So this church struggled about, that, that, you know, they, 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 they would often forget that this was love. I want you to know how much God loves you. Don't forget that. Why is it important that, that, that Jesus is preaching this and Paul is preaching this and we should remember love because love will transform our hearts? Remember the old song, The Things We Do for Love? Some of our old school people remember that. The things that we do, when you are in love, you will do crazy things. You will. I mean, it'll drive you. Remember married folks, remember when you were dating and you were engaged and stuff? You would, you'd climb a mountain for that, 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 that person that you love, and it would just feel like nothing. It wouldn't even feel like work. It would just be, man, this is so much fun because I'm in love. Love drives you. It motivates you. You will do anything. You will do crazy things for love. Think about how much I love my wife. And when we were dating and engaged, and I still love her to this day, and, 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 and just the, the marriage that God has given us, and you know, when you are in love, you will do things that you never thought possible that you would do because you love that person. And you don't think about the work, you just think about the love. The motivation becomes love. I think I shared this before, but one time when we were dating, there was a snowstorm in Cleveland, Tennessee, and before you laugh, yeah, it was a real snowstorm, not like here. Um, we had about six inches of snow on about a, one inch of ice. It was really bad. And there was nobody, well, there were people that tried to drive in it. Don't ever, if you're ever in the south in winter, and there's snow or get off the road. People think they can drive there. They can't. Wow. You know, people are just sliding all over. So, I mean, they're telling people to, I mean, because there's ice and there's snow. And so Athena had called me, you know, because I think we were going to, you know, maybe do something together that evening. But, it, you know, it was a snow day. And she said, well, if you can get here, um, you know, we can have hot chocolate and stuff. Her mom and dad were, you know, and they said, well, if he can get here. And so I couldn't drive, but I strapped those boots on with some layers of clothes, and I walked to her house. And it didn't feel like work. It felt like love. The things that we do for love, it's not out of duty. Our hearts are struck. Being with the other person or doing the things that for them doesn't really feel like work. So why do we stop the pursuit? And just like Jesus is speaking to the church, just like Paul is trying to get the, the Ephesians church said, you need to let love get rekindled in your heart. I think sometimes we get a little jaded and we get a little cold and 
we, especially if we've been Christians for a long time, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, been there, done that, kind of seen that, this and that. We need to remember that we have been called to a love relationship with the King of Kings. If that doesn't burn in your heart, something's wrong. Love. Why stop the pursuit? Remember that it's love. And we can get so busy just going throughout our day. And yes, we, 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 we serve God. Yes, we are a follower of Christ, but we forget love, real love. I'm talking about being driven by love, being compelled by love. Again, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, in reference to us being his ambassadors, his messengers, he said, let, let Christ's love compel you. Christ's love must compel you. It must be your motivation. It must be what pushes you. It urges you. It controls you. Then when you know his love, out of that love, we are compelled to love others. That's why Jesus said, you know, what it means to be a follower, and he describes that man, uh, you know, Matthew chapter 13, that finds a treasure in a field, and, and he's talking about finding the relationship with him, finding the kingdom of God really out of, out of a place of intense love. He says he found this treasure in a field and then went and sold everything for the treasure in the field. Because when you've been motivated by love and when you understand his love, it's a treasure that has been given us and you want to give that away. Look at what God is doing in me. I think that would be the first thing that I think Jesus would work in and through us. As he shows up at your door and he says, I'm going to spend seven days with you, the first thing I think is he would work out with us individually and say, let's get the love thing worked out first. But then he would invite us to be on mission with him wherever we go. And again, I'm talking about him spending time with you and going to your, you know, not just saying, well, you know, quit work or quit school or we're just going to spend... No, Jesus is saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to live life with you this week. I'm going to go to the places that you go. But he would invite us to be on mission with him wherever we go. He would invite us to be compelled by his love with the people that we come in contact with. And I think being with him would change and affect three areas of our lives that I'm going to look at. Number one, it would affect our attitudes. Think about being with Jesus for seven days. He shows up at your door, knocks on your door. Our attitudes would change. What are our attitudes? It's our heart response to certain situations. Our attitudes is kind of what's already in there that comes out. You know, it's the toothpaste thing. When you squeeze, what's in there is coming out. Our attitudes can define our personality type. Some people, you know, you meet them and they just kind of have an, an angry attitude. They just kind of respond in anger to the, the different things. Something happens and they respond in anger. Or happy person. Depressed. Optimistic. Pessimistic. Half, you know, the, the glass is half full, the glass is half in. Those are attitude things. Bitter. Cynical. Kind. Loving. The attitude is just our heart response to certain situations. If we spent a week with Jesus in the physical realm, our attitudes would radically and dramatically change. We would have a different perspective on how to react to situations. We would definitely have more of an eternal perspective on things. Because if somebody did something, then that, that attitude of that, you know, you get squeezed, all of a sudden he's standing there 
And he's kind of smiling at you going, I'm waiting for your reaction, your response. How's your attitude going to be? And then we, he would be right there. And so it would, it would affect our attitude. You know, uh, I, I, all of a sudden, I, I don't feel as angry anymore because Jesus Christ is standing next to me, kind of maybe rubbing you on the shoulder going, you remember love, right? Because, see, you can't not change anyone but yourself. You can't change somebody else's attitude. But boy, don't we try. If you would listen to me, I would convince you how right I am and how wrong you are. Don't we live life like that a lot and it's just a constant frustration? You can only change your own attitude. And out of receiving the love of Christ and loving Him back, our attitudes would shift. Number two, the second thing that it would do is it would change our actions. Our actions are the manifested response that surface based on our attitude. It all goes hand in hand. If you have a bad attitude, you're going to have bad actions. Our attitudes determine our actions. An angry person will lash out. A depressed, a depressed person will isolate themselves. An offended person believes the worst. A joyful person will believe the best. You see how it goes. Our actions are those manifested responses to our attitudes. Our actions reveal transformation, not information. If we spend a week with Jesus in the flesh, our actions would change. If somebody pulled out in front of you and Jesus is riding along in the car with you, You, oh, never mind, sorry about that. <laughs> it, would, it would change, I mean, I have an active imagination. I thought about this this week. I just thought about the different things that I do and how I would act in certain situations, that, especially when I get, when something bugs me or someone bugs me. Isn't it funny how the little things can set you off? And Jesus is sitting in the car with you and somebody does something and, oh boy. Sorry, Jesus. I had just, because you know, he said, well, I already knew your thoughts anyway. <laughs> but remember love. But he would challenge us. He would challenge us to serve. As you go into the grocery store, you get a few things to, to love someone, to be kind to someone. Think about that. I mean, you would be introducing him to everyone, wouldn't you? Say, I don't know if you know who this is or not. This is Jesus. And you would introduce people to him, and you would just be, you know, you're so joyful that he's with you. And it would make you kind. It would make, it, it, would, it would invoke the, the fruits of the Spirit. You, you would have more peace. You would be more patient. Your actions would reveal that. You would be more kind. You'd be more loving. And you would introduce people to him. And you would be compelled by his love. Would we watch the same stuff if Jesus were with us, sitting on our couch? 
He pulled the chair up next to you at your computer. Would you look at the same things? What about what we listen to? It would radically shift what we do in, in our priorities. The third thing it would affect is our relationships. Again, Jesus said, that, that, you know, the law and the prophets can be summed up this, love God, love others. Life is all about relationships. Life is about relationships. It's about other people. I mean, you know, you can buy a cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere and live your life and your days there, but, you know, you're going to be very lonely. And we're not created to be apart from people. In fact, as a believer, we're created to be in community with each other. That's why, you know, the heart of unity is so important with Jesus is we need to do life together. We need to love each other, even when we don't agree with each other. But life is about relationships. It's relationships with the body of Christ. It's relationships with our family members. It's relationship with our friends, our coworkers, fellow students. It's relationships with the stranger, with the lost, the broken, the hurting. Life is about relationships in Christ. Relationships have always been God's idea. You know, he creates, speaks the world into existence, and, the, and he creates man, and then he gives man Eve. Be fruitful, multiply, have relationship with each other. And it started in the garden. Relationships were God's idea. He gave us relationships to enjoy. And that is why the enemy attacks relationships and unity and friendships and family. He attacks how we relate to others. What would happen if we spent a week with Jesus? It would seriously affect our relationships to those close to us and also to, to those that may not be, you know, you know, we have kind of those different types of relationships, those kind of people that are right around us, the ones we're very close to. Then you have kind of on the outer realm, those are your friends, your church family. Then you just keep going. And then out here is the stranger, the person that you don't know, the broken, the hurting. It would affect all of those relationships. Would you stay angry at that person who made you angry? What about when you've been offended? And I'm not talking about the, uh, uh, you know, that you, we would just get over it. The offense is real. But would you stay offended? Would you stay hurt? Would you hold on to that grudge? Would you have to be right? And here's the thought that I had. What if I'm in an argument with my wife and then Jesus shows up right at that moment? Oh boy. I dare say that I'm going to say, all right, Jesus, come in here and, and, and convince her how right I am. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what's going on here. You would not do that. Let me, let me tell you. You would not do that. We would hit our knees and we would say, forgive me for being an idiot. Sorry, kids. I, I, I have to be very careful with that. Some parents go, yeah, yeah, you said idiot in church and my kid is, I'm trying to teach them not to say that. Sorry, parents. In fact, I believe that if we spent a week with Jesus and the person that you're having difficulty with, if they spent a week with Jesus, and then at the end of those two weeks, you know what would happen? You would come to each other in tears, in a loving attitude, and you would be mended. Because your priorities would shift. Being right would be 
not important. It's saying, is my heart right with him? Because if your heart is not right with others, you probably need to check your heart if it's right with him or not. Because that's, again, the place is, God, let me be right with you. I want to be in right relationship with you so that I can be in right relationship with other people. We would bless others like crazy. We would honor others like crazy. We would love others like crazy if he's walking alongside. You would go to that person, and he would walk with you, I'm sure. He would probably say to you, remember love, and remember so-and-so that you have a problem with? Let's go make that right. And it would, there'd be part of this would be painful, friends, because Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And he would be right there in the middle, and he said, you guys need to work this out because of your love for me. And we would. We would look for ways to serve the hurting and the lost. We would look for ways to minister to them. It would be fun. Can you imagine Jesus going, what do you want to do today? Who do you want to go serve today? Let's go out and you can, you, let's go out among some, some people here and you can introduce them to me and, uh, and let's, let's serve some people today. Jesus would have done summer serve with us. Helping us hack branches and mow lawns and he would be out there. Can you imagine Jesus mowing? Hey, how you doing? He would be there if he was in the flesh. Because Jesus was among the broken. We find him there in the Gospels. Even the judgment seat of Christ, he talks about the sheep and the goats. He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Lord Jesus, when did we do that? Well, when you were doing it to the least of these, you were doing it unto me. That's where Jesus, you want to find Jesus be among the broken and the hurting and the lost. Because Jesus would want to be around them. If he spent a week with you, he would want to be around them too. So the obvious thing is this. We don't have the blessing of spending a week with Jesus in the flesh. But the truth is this, that he is with us all the time. He walks with us day after day. Listen to Jesus in John 16 when he is giving the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said is this. He says, it is good that I go away. And now let's just stop right there. Can you imagine the disciples and what they're thinking? They said, no, it's not good at all that you go away. We'd rather have you in the flesh. We'd rather have you right here with us. Why would Jesus said this? It is better. It is good. It is, it is, it is to be more preferred that I go away. Because what he was saying is, he, he says this, because if I don't go, then the, the comfort of the counselor wouldn't come because he says this another counselor is coming the word another means like me that's what he's saying not another in a different form or you know a different it would be a different form but not another in as far as like a a, a different mission he said one like me one just like me is coming and he's promising the holy spirit who is going to be like Christ among us. And His Holy Spirit is what made Him omnipresent after He did His earthly ministry. 
it's good that I go away because now another counselor is coming. In other words, Jesus is saying, with the promise of the Holy Spirit, I am with you all the time. I am walking with you all the time. I am right next to you all the time. But we must practice His presence every day. We need to listen to Him. We need to, we need to find out how to listen to Him, being quiet before Him in prayer, taking time with Him. And again, we have to remember being compelled by his love. Don't forget the love part. That's the most important. And then out of love, we listen to him and we talk to him in prayer. We worship him. We read his word that reveals who he is. We spend time in his presence. This is how we get to know him more and more. Because think about if he were in the flesh... A part of that time in that seven days, wouldn't you want to sit him down and ask some questions? Wouldn't you love to do that? Jesus, can I talk to you about a few things? Sure, go ahead. Well, through the Holy Spirit, we can talk to Jesus. We can talk to him. We can be real with him. We come to him in that love and, and, and practice his presence, listening to him, worshiping him reading about him. Because a lot of us would say, well, we believe he, through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's with us all the time, but do we live like we believe it? Because we have, the, we have the thoughts in our minds now if he spent a week in the flesh, but do you really believe that Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you right now, that he's sitting next to you? that he's going to go home with you today. He's going to go to work with you tomorrow. He's going to go to school with you guys, kids, this week. Kids are like, oh, don't remind me. School. But through his spirit, he is with us. Do we believe it? Do we live like we believe it? It should transform how we live. To get up and say, Jesus, today, I, right now, I receive your love. I want to be compelled by your love. And I want to be on mission with you. I want to reach with you today. I want to leave us with a challenge today as I close. That first of all, he wants us to walk in relationship with him, knowing his love, loving him, and then reaching with him to others, being in partnership with him. He wants us to be compelled and controlled by his love and fix our eyes on him to know what he is doing. If we get this revelation, it will change our attitudes, it will change our actions, and it will change our relationships, just like if he walked in the flesh with us. We need to allow God to change those areas of our lives. And just as, as, as we would do in the physical realm if he were with us, when we get the revelation of his love, we're compelled by his love, and we're believing, and we're on mission with him, it should push us to do these things, to fall in love with him fresh and new every day. I encourage you to do that. Fall in love with Jesus every day. When you come before him, Lord, I love you, and I, I want to be motivated and compelled by your love. I want to receive your love, and I want to give your love. It would push us to read the word of God and to pray and to get him, to know him more. You want to know more about him? Read this word. It's all about him. It would push us to be thankful and joyful and stop grumbling and complaining. 
Because as he, was, as he would be with us in the flesh, we would be more thankful and more joyful, and we would stop grumbling and complaining. I guarantee you we would. Let the power of the Holy Spirit reveal to us that he's right there before we grumble, before we complain, to be thankful and joyful. He would push us to admit that when we are wrong to him and to others. And I've said this before, the human condition, it is very hard to say I'm sorry. Isn't it? I hate to admit you're wrong. But if you were wrong and he was with you in the flesh, you would make that right. And so it should push us to admit when we're wrong, and we need to confess it to him and to others. It would push us to forgive those that have hurt and offended us. Because he became sin who knew no sin. And he had the ultimate offense thrown at him with crucifixion, with cursing and mocking. And he forgave. And Jesus even said, if you refuse to forgive others, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. It should push us to mend relationships. Who do you need to be mended with? Is there a relationship that you have that is suffered or is suffering? We need to mend relationships. And this is having an eternal mindset because if we really believe that he is with us, then we really believe that we're going to stand before him on that day. And we will not be able to justify offense. We will not be able to justify unforgiveness and say, but look at what they did. Let's mend them now. It would push us to serve others, those close to us and the world, to love them to serve our families, to serve our church, to serve the world. It would push us to be accountable. We need accountability in our lives. I need accountability in my life. Who are you accountable to? Who do you meet with? Who, who asks you the hard questions? Who's there in your life if you get off track? They say, you know what? You need to come back. You need to come back. Or who calls you out? Do you give them permission? Because, you know, we're as accountable as we want to be. That when you complain or grumble about something, they say, hey, stop grumbling and complaining because I love you. But it would push us to be accountable. It would push us to be teachable. We don't, know all, we don't know all things. And we need to be teachable and humble. It should push us to bless others. To bless others. The church should be known for its blessings of, of others and the world. To bless, to serve. And then it should push us to disciple and mentor others. Because Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, love someone, mentor someone, look for somebody that's younger, somebody that maybe needs someone to reach down to them, uh, somebody that's fatherless or motherless, and, and love them and bring them on and introduce them to Jesus. Because once again, he has invited us to do ministry with him, not for him. 
So let's reach with Jesus. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him for what what he's doing in our midst. Let's be obedient to what he's saying. Let's be controlled and compelled by his love. Let's stand together. just pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you that you are here. Lord, we paint this picture in our hearts and our minds that if you spent a week with us, seven days with us in the flesh, Lord God, how that would just radically change the way we do things. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would have the revelation that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is with us, Lord, I pray that we would be compelled, first of all, and we would be controlled by the love of Jesus, that we would remember love, that we would be motivated by love, that we would do crazy things because of love. Love for you and love for others. Lord, I pray that our attitudes would change because you are with us. I pray that our actions would change. I pray that our relationships would change, how we treat people. And Lord, that that we would know that we are a mission with you, not for you. That you come alongside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit and you are with us. And that we would, would do the work of the one who sent you. We would work with you. Motivated, compelled by the love of Jesus. Lord, we receive your word today. Lord, I pray over each person today. I pray a blessing over their lives. I pray, Lord that they would, Lord, leave this place knowing that they are on mission with Jesus. I pray, God, that we would be right with you, Lord. And I just pray for each person in this room. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you need to know he deeply loves you. He intensely loves you. And this is a, this is a great time. Don't, you don't have to wait. This is a great time just to say, Jesus, I'm not in a right relationship with you, and I give you my heart. I turn away from my sins and doing life my way. And I turn to you to live life your way. You can just simply tell him that in the quietness of your own heart. Lord, I pray for each person in this room. I pray, God, that this week, this this month, Lord God, this year, and ongoing, as long as we have breath, that we would be on mission with you, compelled, controlled by your love, to reach with you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have an awesome week this